Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Rachel Young, a true crime goddess. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls! This is Smarter. once again, this is once again a very strong argument for a detachable penis. Because then you could put it on when you needed to get some shit done. That's true. And needed to make your own decisions, and then you could detach it when you wanted to be rational. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I'd use it, you know, for some meetings. It would be it would be very Yeah, see what I mean? Meetings. Or to you know, get a raise. I needed to do some kind of business. Yeah. Um Yeah, I can see how that would be. That would be um, very helpful. I think somebody needs to needs to really work on that, make that happen. Yeah, I mean, because look at the four of us huddled in a corner, crying, can't manage our lives, eating nothing but ice cream, and wetting ourselves. I mean, how could how do we function really? I really you're getting really right? close to the truth right now, Rachel. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, but you have you have a legit she, reason. She just had like, surgery like four <laughs> days ago. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sitting in the corner wetting myself. You're not too far off here, okay? <laughs> Have, just after having major surgery, that's totally legit. Totally legit. Like I'm mad enough that I've like told my husband, I was like, I'm gonna change my fucking name back. Like he's like, well, what did I do? I'm like nothing. I'm just mad. <laughs> I tell him all the time, even when he's just like doing something innocuous. I'm like, fuck the patriarchy. He's like. I don't agree with it. I was like, I know, I'm just mad. <laughs> you're, you're the closest thing I have to bitch to. So, oh, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and that's the worst part about it is I don't think any of us are man haters. No, just certain men. No. It's just that when all of a sudden, you know, you think you're making progress little by little, life's getting better, you're making a little more closer to the um, an equal amount of money in some cases life feels a little easier for women and then pretty much overnight we got punched in the vagina mm-hmm. now we're hobbling around trying to figure out what hit us Let's it's call not it the it kind is. of fisting that's that's appropriate <laughs> agreed it's not pleasurable at all not but our vaginas they are strong they are strong and they bounce back. So, well, I um, so I just had a hysterectomy, and I keep kicking myself for um, not asking for it after surgery because I have a feeling that if I just sent it in care of the Supreme Court to Samuel Alito or Clarence Thomas, they could have their own uterus to control, and they would leave everybody else's alone. It's true. You know, I it's think true. that would be. A- that would have been a really nice gift for them, Shona. I wish I wish you'd have the thought to to you know keep it. Yeah. We have to talk about something fun because this is painful. This is the second week in a row that we're having it. <sighs> I can eat raw vegetables again and not like feel like I'm gonna die. That's fun. Well, that's an interesting thing. I didn't know you had a, an issue eating raw vegetables. I thought you just didn't well, no, like I- them. No, no, no. After you have sleeve surgery, which is what I had, I had VSG, which is the vertical sleeve gastrectomy. Mm -hmm. Because my stomach is so small, like raw vegetables and fruit and certain things are super hard to digest because my stomach went from, you know, being a pretty good size down to being essentially like the size of a banana, like kind of that shape and size. Uh And so like you have to adjust what you eat very slowly because and um certain like foods don't necessarily agree with you anymore or really just aren't worth it like bread super not worth it um but i since surgery have just been craving something fresh and something that's not meat or cheese Mm. (laughs) and just this like past week i've been able to have carrot raw carrots and broccoli and cauliflower and it has been the most satisfying amazing thing in my life like just it's been amazing being able to have some fresh food that it made my week as every day goes by food is no longer like this overruling thing in my life 
I don't stress about food anymore. I don't feel like it's the only thing that comforts me. Like it's, it really has been like, not just a physical change, but like a mental game in less than three months, I've dropped like 35 pounds. I mean, that's a lot. If you think about that, you go and pick up 30 pounds of weight and then carry it around with you. You don't realize it, but then when you drop it, it's like, holy shit, that's a lot. Like, mm-hmm. so. Well, you look fantastic, darling. Thank you. I'm just glad I feel better. But Before I forget, Rachel's our special guest today. Shona L. is our special guest today. Megan is in full-on fan beast mode at the moment. Hanson Fest or some shit. And then, because she was there, she didn't read anything. <laughs> so it's like, oh, and that's why she's not on? Yeah, she's like, uh, I don't have any books ready. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Well, I mean, sometimes that happens. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, it does. And, and Even though reading is. It's graduation week. So Keith's got graduation stuff going on. And Griner is doing a play. So in desperate times, you asked Rachel to come back. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have to say call in, that. Call in the big guns. The yeah. bench crew. Yeah. <laughs> Martha just texted and she said she needed a sub. And I'm like, I'm in. I think by that whole story, the only thing I got out of that is me and Martha are the ones that have no lives. <laughs> so we have plenty of time to read books and be on the podcast. <laughs> you know what? Okay, have have any of you watched AP Bio? It's like a series that's on uh, NBC, I think. It's called AP Bio. It's about this dude who was was a professor at Harvard, but he got into some hot water and they kicked him out. And he now he's a high school teacher in Toledo and he teaches AP Bio, but he's not happy about teaching AP Bio. So he never actually teaches AP Bio. So instead they do all this other shit. It's kind of like a dark humor kind of thing. What the fuck is AP bio? Am I missing something here? Advanced placement biology. Oh, I'm thinking, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Anyways. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. In one of the episodes, long story before this part, one of the episodes, they have the babies that they have to take care of for health class. (laughs) But the school didn't have enough money, so they bought defective babies. So all they do is cry. I remember those babies because ours always cried. I think we need to send those babies to all of the people in the Capitol building. So all they do is cry the whole time. And then they can see why pro-choice should always be an option. That is true. That's actually a good idea. They'd just be filled up with shitty diapers and and oh. no sleep. Send them uteruses and babies that all they do is cry and poop. That's a great idea. Yes. I just wish that all the money that they put into trying to change people's minds and just put it into education. You education, know? I mean, maybe the foster care system. There you maybe health care. It needs to be instead of just making these these broad strokes about people and what should be and what shouldn't be, they, they need to look at the consequences and start putting resources where you're going to, if this is the way that you're going to vote, well, you need to put some resources where you're going to need it because there's going to be consequences. Once again, we're, we're mired down in that subject. I think it's probably just needs to come out. You know, we just need to talk about it. There's just no, we can't be funny if we're angry, right? That's pretty fucking sad, man. Okay. I have something funny. What, what, what? Give it to us. Okay. So just not that long ago, I want to say maybe a a week or two ago, I experienced (laughs) a level of embarrassment, though I know it's not warranted, but I was taking my dog to the groomer, right? And she gets groomed at, it's kind of a a local place. It's not as big as like a pet smart, but it's called pet supplies plus. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a store where you can take your dogs, but they have a grooming section and like uh, a dog self-wash and all that fun stuff. And so to get to the grooming section, you have to walk past like this dog food aisle and all this kind of stuff. And so I gave her every opportunity before we left the house, go potty, go potty. Right. And uh, sorry, not right now. 
Um, and she wouldn't. And so she's whining in the car and I'm thinking she's just pissed because she knows we're going to the groomer. And, um, so we're walking down the aisle, going to the groomers and I feel her just stop and tug. I turn around. Well, in, in front of everyone and on this delightfully, probably fresh, clean store. Cause we were there right at opening. She takes a massive dump in public and I'm like, and there's this lady and her little girl already in the grooming section. So they're watching the groomers watching like, and I'm just like, <laughs> what do I do? And like, what am I going to do? Pick it up. I mean, I don't have that stuff and where do I, so I was just like, ah, let's go. So we go into the grooming area and I said, um, my dog had an accident and they're like, Oh, it happens all the time. And I was like, okay, but not at my house. Like this doesn't, we don't do this. <laughs> like I was just mortified though. Cause I'm watching her just. So that's sort of what that reminds me of is when you're in the store with your, with your toddler and all of a sudden they decide at that moment that they're going to scream at the top of their lungs because they can't have a candy bar. Yeah. And they, and they're really super loud when they're toddlers and well, they act like you're killing them. It's so embarrassing. And, you just don't know what to do with yourself. Well, and I almost think, um, because that wasn't the finale Oh dear! of that day. So I pick her up from the groomer and she's very good with bathroom stuff. So we go home, we're in the garage. She pees in the garage. And I'm like, you just really want to go back to the pound and be an orphan, don't you? Like, oh, this <laughs> now I would never do that. And I love how annoyed Echo is. Look at her staring at Bonnie. Like, how dare you get up off this couch and wake me up? She's so annoyed in the camera. You can see her. But she, and she lets a river go in the garage. And I was just like, what is your deal? What That's is your deal? That's the same day? Same day. So on the way to the groomer, we drop a deuce. On the way back into the house from being groomed, we're flowing. And I'm like, you need to get yourself together, figure <laughs> this out. And I just, I need you to regroup. I, I need you to regroup <laughs> on this. And she was fine after that. But that day I was just, Tom came home from work and I'm like, listen to what your daughter did. <laughs> and she's staring at me right now. Cause I feel like she knows I'm talking about you. And <laughs> yes, but I was, oh. so, I called my mother. I was like, I now know how you feel with child embarrassment. Sort of. I was like, but none of us ever like shit in the middle of a store on the floor. Hopefully <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't. <laughs> And she, she made sure to get right up in front of the camera right now so we can take a look at how beautiful she is. Hi, Abby. Aw. We went to PetSmart today, too, but we did not have any accidents. But let me tell you, as soon as we walked in the door, she was right at that back door and she was running back and forth. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, let me set this stuff down and I'll let you outside. Because she also doesn't like to go outside by herself. Mm -hmm. So I have to, I usually go outside with her. I'm like, hold on a second. Yeah, you hear that? Some dogs can go in public and not go to the bathroom. You hear that? Yeah. But Tyler said every time he takes his dogs to the pet store with him, um, Ryder, who's super trained, goes to the bathroom every time, every time in the store. He's never done that before. And I've taken yeah. her several, never. I don't know what was up her ass that day. I don't have any stories about my animals peeing, but... Um, I do have, I do have a granddaughter story. Uh-oh. <laughs> did she pee at the pet store? <laughs> no, she did not pee at the pet store. But, so she's two and she's going through potty training. And last oh. weekend we went over there and um, we're just like, okay, here's your potty. Just, you know, sit on the potty. And she wasn't like really interested. And then, um, you know, after a while she was playing and she said potty and we went and grabbed the potty and just put her on it and 
she sat there and she peed and she was kind of like surprised that she did it and kind of freaked her out a bit because we're all like screaming and yelling and going, yay, Nora. <laughs> yay! Probably, you'll probably never do it again. Nobody <laughs> cheers for you when you pee anymore, damn it. I know. Really do you sad. want me to cheer for you when you pee? Yeah. Well, next yes, time and I'm I want an M&M too. Yeah. I know, right? A reward. I want a sticker. When Tyler was that age, he was afraid of the potty seat. We ended up having to make a stool to put in front of the toilet because this is, you know, before squatty potties so that he could stand and go in the big boy toilet because he wouldn't. He was afraid of it. He screamed every time you put him on the toilet on the on the potty chair. I wonder what freaked him out. I don't know. I I kind of think it's because like with boys, the potty chairs have little splash guards. Oh, no. And I think that his pee hit the splash guard and it like hit him him. in the legs and it it freaked him out. He was also definitely afraid of a cookie monster animal that I gave him that he had when he was little. See, we, we attached a little mini seat to the toilet when Dylan was little because we had two bathrooms. His Elmo potty. The only bad thing about that was, is if we went anywhere, it was like, I want the elbow potty. (laughs) We used to go places after Tyler was potty trained. He had to take every bit of his clothes off to go to the bathroom. (laughs) So, and sometimes like, you know, little kids, they don't give you very much warning that they have to go. And he, I mean, I'm talking shoes and socks and everything. So we'd be standing (laughs) in the stall at a restaurant and he would be like, hurry up, mommy, hurry up, hurry up, take my shirt off, hurry up, take my shoes off. <laughs> so then I'd be in the bathroom trying to hold him so he didn't fall in the in the toilet because, you know, it's big and he's small, holding his clothes because I didn't want it on the gross floor. I, I'm assuming he grew out of that. We hope that so. Quite, quite inconvenient. I can imagine him in the radio station bathroom taking off all his clothes to pee. Taking all his clothes off, yeah. <laughs> I think he'd get hazed for that. I think, I think so. I think so. <laughs> Tyler can't went pee in unless he's naked. Call the sports animal. Them, Call the morning show and say, yeah, Tyler didn't used to be able to go to the bathroom unless he's completely <laughs> naked. I hate dresses. I hate I know, dresses. me too. I never liked so you know a dress. If you want to wear one and you want to put that effort into it, more power to you. Cause yeah, Plus, guys, guys aren't so, I mean, can you imagine? A guy wouldn't get upset if the wind blew his dress up over his head. They'd Not probably so be like, "Woo!" Yes, he's wearing his holy white whitey tidies. Now, it, I guess it depends too, though, on what that dress and/or skirt is made of, because maybe maybe that feels good on on some stuff, and we're not wearing anything underneath, right? <laughs> got, a, got a silk liner or something? Maybe. Might feel good. Might feel good. Uh, ooh, that makes feels- it more convenient when you have to pee. Ed, that feels nice. You should really get yourself one of them. Mm-hmm. Feels nice on the balls. <laughs> Isn't that why they started making silk boxers? (laughs) It's just a guy version of a silk skirt. Yeah. Okay, ladies. Well, Vonnie can start us off, and then we'll put Rachel, and then Shona, and then me. How's that? Okay, well, um, there wasn't really any silk boxers in my book, because there never is when you read historical fiction, like I do. Um, The book I read this week is called The Other Einstein by Marie Benedict. And this is a book that's mainly about, it's about Mitza Marek, who is Albert Einstein's first wife. Mitza Marek was actually a brilliant physicist and a mathematical genius, basically. And they met when they went to Zurich University. Um, She was only she was one of the first women to complete the program. Of course, she was in a classroom full of males. Most of the males were not very happy that she was in the class and was not very nice to her. Uh, she talks about how when she went to college, she was bullied a lot for being female because at this time, females weren't supposed to be smart. They were supposed to be inferior. They were not supposed to be educated. Okay, her name is actually Maliva Marek, but her friends call her Mitza. 
So she's from Serbia originally and super smart. Um, and her and Einstein kind of hit it off a little bit. And he really pursued her more than she was interested in giving him a chance. And he basically wore her down until she started spending time with him, it, which was kind of interesting. So of course they married. And this book kind of takes more of a view at the controversial issue that she helped Einstein write his papers about relativity that won him the Nobel Prize, which she absolutely got no credit for. And it talks about their marriage and their children and how their marriage kind of went downhill until they were separated and he married his first cousin. I think her name is Elsa. I know it kind of seems like that's a spoiler, but this is all true. You can Wikipedia Albert Einstein and it's all in there. I actually Wikipedia'd it and knew the ending to the book before it even happened because that's what I do. Uh, but she was a very interesting woman. Um, she was born with one of her legs shorter than the other. So besides being super smart and from Serbia, she had a limp. So she had so much not going for her that in those cases at that time period, she would not be suitable for marriage. So basically if she would have stayed home and not gone to school or anything, nobody would have married her. She would have ended up just being, I, I don't know, an old maid. I don't know what they would call them back then. I guess it but, wouldn't be an independent woman, self-supporting right. woman. No. Well, no, of course not. I, I mean, she ended up being a self-supporting woman, which is amazing considering the time period that she lived in. I mean, this is the early, this is the 1900s. I mean, it just didn't happen back then. And because of her limp was one of the reasons why her father was so intent on her learning. Besides her already being smart, he encouraged her to go to school, to learn it, to learn math. And, you know, he helped her get into the Zurich uh, college that she went to where she met Einstein. And she just, she was a very intelligent, interesting woman. And she was actually had a lot of courage. She was very strong character and it was well worth the read. Now, some of the stuff that happened in the book about their marriage, I don't know how factual it is since this is historical fiction, but it actually made me a little bit sad because it did not put Albert Einstein in a very good light. And I always wanted to think that he was a great guy. Sadly, but... sadly I think history will show that he was not necessarily a very nice guy. I mean, he wasn't a horrible, horrible person. I've read about much worse people, but yeah, that made me a little bit sad, but she was an amazing woman. I, I loved the book. I would recommend it to somebody because I actually knew absolutely nothing about her before I read this book. I just thought it would be a good change, you know, a change for my war books that I usually read. And uh, it, it was great. It was a good book. And that again is called The Other Einstein by Marie Benedict. And I've read a couple of other of her books and she's she's a decent writer. I, I like her style. I always wonder when they take real life, when an author is doing historical fiction and it's a real person, but they put their own spin on it. I wonder how much research the author does to try to either make the, the characters as real as possible or if it's just completely... Fiction. I would think they would have to at least have a little bit of fact in there. Well, she talks about that at the end of the book in the author's notes, because um, I did the audio. And um, there's a lot of letters that they've uncovered that's correspondence between the first wife and her best friend from college. And she talks a lot about it. And also Einstein, taught when he talks about the writing of his papers that won him the Nobel Prize, what it was based on when he went, won the Nobel Prize. He talks about we when we came up with the theory, when we wrote the paper, he, he always talks about it in plural. So 
that's one of the reasons why there's such a controversy about if he wrote the paper by himself or or what and it would not be unheard of in that time not to include a female on a paper that was submitted and um there's also a lot of little tidbits that i did not talk about so i didn't completely ruin the book for everybody <laughs> that's awesome i actually have used to really be obsessed with einstein because he didn't finish college and you know people like me didn't finish college either so <laughs> i used to think yeah maybe i could be smart too I'll never be that fucking smart, but you know. Well, and it does talk about like what uh, Shona said. It does talk about how bad of a student he was. Mm -hmm. Yep. He was not a good student. Mm -hmm. He kind of went his own way with things and he didn't really give a shit about what his professors wanted him to do. Mm -hmm. It all seems to me that, you know, he was so smart and, you, you know, we've heard that he wasn't a good student and you said he wasn't like really good at math. It sounds like like one of those really smart people that could not survive in the real world without somebody helping him like his wife, you know, yeah. like he would just sit around thinking big thoughts and never do anything else. So he needed somebody like that to keep him focused. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Rachel, this would likely fall under true crime. That's what I would call it. So the book that I read this week is called The Beast, a chilling true story of a psychopathic child killer. And the reason it's called The Beast is because another nickname for this killer was The Beast of British Columbia. And he killed during a relatively short period. So this book really just chronicles about 1980 to 81. And the, I guess I'll use the word person's name, it was Clifford Robert Olson Jr. And the book is written by author named Ryan Green. Um, one of the aspects that I think I've talked about before, but I'm sure people don't necessarily remember is I, if I'm going to read a book about a serial killer, I do prefer there to be a, a little bit more emphasis on the victims. Um, this book didn't really have that. So if I had to give it kind of a markdown for something, it would be that. Um, but I also understand that the book was written to focus on him. So um, can't really fault that. But, um, but I would have preferred in the book had there been a little more emphasis on his victims. I think it was estimated between the ages of like once he was like 17 and started committing crimes because he committed other crimes that and until he was incarcerated for the rest of his life, he only spent 1,501 days in society from the age of 17 until he was uh, until his death at age 71. So not a lot of time relatively. I won't go into very specific details. It was a very graphic book uh, and he was, he killed children. Um, he sexually assaulted, tortured and oh. murdered children specifically. And he has 11 known victims, but they estimate that to be a lot higher. And he, his span of his crimes again was only 1980 to August of 81. So really. So how old was he when he committed the crimes? Was he like, 25 um he was born in 1940 so he would have been you know in his four in like early 40s they suspect the canadian authorities suspect that he has a far greater number um of victims now the thing that made this book extremely interesting and where essentially my my moral compass was challenged is the police at one point knew that this was their guy, right? But they, of course, have to prove that. And so they're following him. They're putting all of these funds into, in, you know, to following him and doing these things. The police have to make a split decision in August of 81. He picks up a child while they're following him. And it's like, okay, we maybe don't necessarily have what we need, all of it, but we can't risk another child being murdered, right? So they stop him they save that child and so once he is captured he is married and has a child right and so he decides okay you know what they've they've got at least something for a couple kids but he is a clear just psychopath right so he decides to shoot a shot and say listen 
you've got one victim. I gave you one, but I've got 10 more and I want 10 grand because you suspect that these children are dead, but you have no bodies. I can take you to those bodies, but I want $10,000 per and you'll get a total of 11. And that money has to go to my wife. So totaling $100,000. And remember, this is 1981. So that's a lot of money. Even now it's a lot of money. And so the police take it up the chain and whoever's job it is to make that decision says, this is against everything, but we need to get answers. But we want to keep it out of the media, keep it out of everything. Because, you know, on one hand, this, this is, shady, but on the other, we want to find these children and return them to their families. So they agree. And the money is paid out to his wife. It's not in his name or anything. He, he gives them those 11 bodies. Like he said, all of those bodies are returned to their families. And mind you, the families know nothing of this deal. They know nothing. And he confesses fully and in detail to what he did to these children. And so he decides, all right, I'm, I'm in prison now, but I want to set my wife and kid up even more. I want them to be taken care of. So he goes back to the investigators and he says, all right, he goes, I've got 20 more bodies for you. And I'm only going to ask for 5,000 a piece this time. So let's go ahead and do this. But they say the Canadian government, they say, no, we're not doing this anymore. And he's like, all right, that's, that's at least 20, 20 kids. You're not returning home. And they, then the press was really good because he had tried to break it when all the, but this was before his trial. So that initial hundred, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, the press would not touch or do any stories about because they didn't want to interfere with the legal proceedings. Right. But once he was convicted, they broke the story. Oh, no. So the families of these victims found all this out, everything, and they're pissed. They're not happy. And so one of the things that happens is they try to sue his wife and say that she needs to give the money back, donate it to the victims, families, all this. She won't do it. And legally, because he had the money given to his wife, they have no legal standing to get that money back. So that money remained hers. And he lived the rest of his days from 1981 to 2011 in prison. Did his wife know? No. They determined she knew nothing about it. She was never a part of it or anything like that. Um, this and that was solely his deal. She didn't know anything about him making it, and he did attempt to. Again, he said, "I have at least twenty more bodies. I'll give them to you for this price." And the Canadian authorities or whoever makes that choice was like, "No, we can't keep doing this, and we don't want to set this as a precedent, right?" So it's unknown how many total victims he actually has. So eleven are confirmed. Um, I believe the ages of his victims range from the age of nine to 18. So that's Jeez. kind of the age range. Yeah. Uh, and I both males and females in his victim pool. Um, another interesting fact, and I'm not quite sure, I don't know much about this scale, but there's something called the hair psych psychopathy checklist. And it's a tool that's designed to essentially assess psychopathy, right? And the average or I guess threshold score is a 25 to 30. He scored a 38 out of a possible 40 on that scale when administered by clinicians. It was a very, very interesting book and it does chronicle his childhood and a lot of other things, but that was one of the things that really kept me hooked in there. Um, and of course, I'm not telling you anything that isn't public knowledge, but it, it was a really, really good read. If you like true crime, you like those kinds of things. Um, and of course, I didn't give you all the full details of things. I would suggest to read it if you can, if, if you, you can, can handle stomach it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And like I said, the author does um, put in some, uh, some pretty graphic detail of things because he chronicled these things for law enforcement. Um, so again, that was called The Beast by Ryan Green. 
Yeah, you got to follow that up, Shona. Yeah, I have no words. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Canada. <laughs> the only segue here is my book is set in Canada too. Um, and it does not involve serial killers. But I read a book called The Break by Katharina Vermette. And I'm not sure this one has been on my my TBR for a long time. And I don't remember where I heard about it. Um, But it's set in Canada, I think Manitoba. And it just follows a group of indigenous women that are, are related or have grown up together. And it kind of just you know, chronicles a, a bit of their life. It's almost like the author just kind of sets you down in the middle and you get a little tidbits of, you know, what has happened before, but it's like, you're just seeing what's happening like right now. Um, and I looked at the author, she's um, she's a poet. Um, and that kind of surprised me because although it's, it's really, really well-written, it's not very poetic, it's very gritty and and heartbreaking in, in places. So the book starts out with um, an act of violence against a young indigenous woman, teenager, and it's witnessed by another indigenous woman who calls the cops. And throughout the story, you you realize that these the victim and, and the person that witnessed the crime are are related. You know, they have you know, they're connected in some way. And so you follow the victim's story, her mother, her aunt, her grandmother, her best friend. You even get the perspective of um, one of the police officers whose mother was indigenous and whose father wasn't. And throughout the story, you just get glimpses of how hard their life has been in this, in this community, which is outside of like a reservation but all the discrimination that has gone on, all the um, the opportunities that are have not been there for this group of people, but also how these women are so strong that they they hold each other up, and they're very you know proud of their heritage, and it goes into the relationships each one of these have with with their husbands or boyfriends, the children that they have. And everything is kind of connected. It almost makes you feel like, you know, you're in this community, this very small community, and you just see how everybody is connected and how, and like domestic violence is almost generational. You know, I mean, something happens decades ago and there's just a ripple effect up to the present. And you just see how it's all connected. The author does just a great job of just making these connections and you know you're like three quarters of the way through the book and you're like oh I I just realized that these people are connected as well from from decades ago um it wasn't a happy book but it was so well written and I and I did not want it to end I wanted to I wanted to keep reading about these women uh I looked up the author and she has another book that came out last year called The Strangers which has the the same characters in it, you know, so it kind of continues their story. So I I ordered that right away. But if you like dark, gritty characters going through, you know, a lot of drama, but, you know, strong women, it was, um, it's a very good book. I would, I would highly, highly recommend it. That sounds good. That was called The Break by Katharina Vermet. Awesome. And that was my book for the week. Awesome, awesome. I'm going to attack a book that a lot of people loved today. Not attack. Go for I it. Sh- I shouldn't say attack. I'm going to give an unpopular opinion, which I don't really like to do. It's not my favorite sport to take a book that is really buzzy and give a different interpretation of it. It's almost like a buyer's remorse thing with me. Where I see a book that's featured prominently in the media and it looks so incredibly good and I read the, the blurb about it and I get really excited and I go to the library and I try to put it on hold and it's six months before I can get it and I look at my 
Audible credits and I have one, so I spend it and I read the book and then it pisses me off because it's not all that. All right, so this book is called The Change by Kirsten Miller. And I will begin by saying that there are so many five-star reviews on this book that I can't, I can't even hardly believe it. I think it's supposed to, the change, I think is supposed to refer to menopause in some way, which is sort of why I picked it up. Because as you know, I'm sort of in that, that phase of my life. And I can relate to a lot of the things that these characters go through. It, it follows three women, Harriet, who's a former advertising director, who, you know, you hear her story and you hear about her husband, who's also an advertising executive. And basically, she gives him these ideas and he takes them and runs with them and, and pretends like they're his and basically makes a lot of money off of her. And then when it comes time to stand up for her, he just doesn't. She ends up leaving the business. They end up getting divorced. And then she sort of comes into her own after that, only it's a different kind of thing where she just sort of becomes this super free spirit and she kind of gets this power, this nature power thing. Um, the next person that's involved, her name is Joe. She was... a the manager of a, a very big hotel chain in Manhattan. And she basically was able to save the company a lot of money and do all of these really impressive things. But when it comes down to it, once again, they don't stand by her. And she ends up leaving the business. She then goes to open her own business. Instead, she opens a gym. I think it's called Rage. The gym? I, I don't quote me on that. I can't remember exactly. I think Rage is a perfect name for a gym. It is. F female, female only fitness center and directs her red hot rage into a power nobody else has. Okay. So Nessa, who's the third one, she's a widow and she has a couple of daughters in college. And she has this sort of woo woo wackadoo background of women who, you know, her auntie was... I see dead people type person, you know, and that's runs in their family, this, this thing, whatever you want to call it. Now, as you guys know, I like that kind of stuff. I usually, I usually like the strange and the weird, but the combination and the way this was put together in this book just put me off from the beginning for some reason. I think it's like the combination of so many different things. I think on its own, a story about those three women with, you know, uh, uh, just a straight storyline would have been really cool and interesting because they're both, they're all very interesting women. But then that added, like the one lady, she's, she, she can talk to plants. She, all of a sudden she's, she compels bees to sting people and whatnot and all this. It's like this weird wackadoo thing that gets like added in to it. But the reason that it bugged me so much is because it's almost like that's sort of passed over as, as like you never really get into the, the meat of what's happening with that. It's almost like a surface thing. Oh, yeah. And by the way, you know, here she is. She, they, take the, they take the witch woman to jail and she suddenly can grow black mold all over the entire freaking um, police station. But yet, nothing is ever said about it again. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and, and so the one, there was a scene where, where the woman who goes to get the, she goes to a banker to try to get a loan for her gym. And he's basically a total prick to her. And we've all had guys like that of, you know, why isn't your husband with you to help you sign this loan? And I mean, it made me angry about the way the women were treated and I loved that portion of the book and the way that that was written. It was very well written. But then there's a, there's a section in there where she gets angry and the, the silver pen she's holding melts in her hand and, and falls onto his desk. And it's like, 
nobody ever talked about, you know, this is supposed to be a small town, but yet nobody ever fucking brings it up later. The banker never tells anybody that she's got this weird power. It's like these women are giving these incredible gifts, but yet they're, they're kind of like just a gloss, a glossing over the top of the story. Like you never, people don't notice that this stuff is happening. You don't, I mean, sure, the, the, the plant lady, everybody calls her a witch because her yard has been completely taken over by plants and the homeowners association is pissed off about it. And, and, you know, you get that portion of the story, but yet this woman with this incredible rage power, she does these incredible, fantastic things and there's never any kind of follow up to that. The woman that sees dead people You know, she can see these dead girls and whatnot, and she's in love with this police officer guy, and he, like, she tells him about it, and he believes her automatically. You know, it's like never any kind of big deal about it. Maybe that's what bugged me the most, is the fact that the whole wackadoo part of this was completely like bad icing on a cake. Like the story would have been great and fantastic just the way it was as a murder mystery because the story itself is about all of these girls who go missing uh, on right off the tip of this really super ritzy island where all these rich people live and nothing ever gets investigated because they're all rich people and the girls who go missing are poor. So, I mean, that's just a regular type story you know that's not a new story and I I kind of feel like you know the book was 600 pages long it was a big book and and I think that the ideas were sound and honestly I think it's going to make a fantastic movie but I I just felt like as a uh, as a reader of wackadoo it didn't have enough of that and it didn't dive into that and the people around her Uh, the people around these people didn't seem to notice anything was weird and they didn't feel like anything was weird about it. You know what I'm saying? I think that would bother me too. If, if something like weird happened and I mean, seriously, if if you melt a fucking silver pen in your hand and it falls onto some guy's desk and burns a hole in it, don't you think people are going to fucking talk about that? And this power she has, nobody ever talks that much about it i mean she burns a guy with her hand you know it makes me think of it makes me think of when you're a little kid and you're playing make-believe and then you just all of a sudden stop and say oh okay well i can set things on fire now exactly <laughs> like, that's exactly okay. what it felt like you know and and you know how much i love weird books you know i love that wackadoo stuff mm-hmm. and sadly for me this hit hit them did not hit the mark at all I liked a lot of things about it I think that if it were to have been arranged a bit differently and you know maybe gone a bit darker in some areas that it might have been that I might have loved it and it always makes me feel inadequate when I see you know I know I shouldn't feel this way but anytime you have a lot of people raving about something and then you read it and you're like Eh, then you feel like an asshole. I've done that with books before that. It's like, it's all the thing. Everybody says it's fantastic. And I only made it to like, I only made it to chapter three. And I'm like, what the, what is this shit? I don't, I don't even know why there are so many I'm still embarrassed to say that I, I hated with a passion, the night circus, because so many people that I know that's like their favorite book. And that's, perfectly legitimate for you not to like it there were a lot of things I, I loved about that book but it's not one I of feel my that way about um about you by Caroline Kepnes hated it couldn't even make it through half of it I felt but like that sounds, about the series on Netflix Martha it sounds like the book for like it had a good maybe some good bones like you said for a story but then it was just so disjointed. And that's one thing I don't like too. You said there was like a lot of open ends. I can't like, yeah, tie it's just sh- like th- these really incongruous things that you, that you're like, it's almost like, Oh, let's add this in and let's add that in. And let's, add, it's like a soup that by the time you add all of the ingredients in, you can't taste anything anymore. It's just yeah. soup. 
It's muddled. Yeah. It's too muddled. So mm-hmm. I, I feel badly in saying that, and I know I will be in the minority. This is going to be a big fucking book. A lot of people are going to really love it. I just felt like there was, it was too much. There was too much going on. And there wasn't enough deep dive into the things that really mattered. But that's just my opinion. So I'm sure you'll probably hear about it because, like I said, the buzz on this thing is huge. She's not going to lose any money over my review. I can tell you that for nothing. Uh, The book is called The Change by Kirsten Miller. And it's got the female rage down pat. There's a lot of rage and there's even there was even one review in there that talked about her being a man hater because it is pretty extreme in that vein. I it wasn't that that made me feel the way I felt about it. That wasn't it at all cuz clearly you know that I don't have an issue with people who call men out for their bullshit. Most people who read this book are really going to like it. So that's that. It's been a long time since I reviewed a book that I didn't love I think it's good for good for the soul a little bit to do that because I think sometimes if we always review books we like it gets us in a rut with things yeah because we don't like every book we read and so I think it's real to kind of to ha- have those in there and I think people like to hear that too right because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people feel like you feel Martha because I know I felt that way of like am I missing something yeah. like did I because everybody loves this and I don't love it. Like what's wrong with me type yes, thing. Yes, so, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So you also said that um, it might make a good movie. Sometimes books like I'll read and I'm like, I, I don't really like it, but I could see how it would be good on the screen. Yeah. It's almost like I could see my brain was like picking the scenes out that would make great scenes where you don't have to explain yourself too much because it's a movie. You know what I mean? It's like you can suspend your disbelief in certain areas because of that type of movie, you know, where, oh, supernatural powers. Okay, that's Marvel like that's, you know, you can you can kind of go with that theme and be okay. in some in some sections it sort of reminded me, you know, on True Blood, where they went to that really weird timeline with the woman who was the like I don't remember what it was she was some ancient goddess or something and she was a every time she was around people would like start having sex wildly and they would yeah you know, just I a, hated that right that timeline that. for some reason the scenes with the with the woman who's in tune with the plants and stuff it reminded me of that for some reason it really had that that same like deep ancient vibe mother earth has is pissed off kind of thing so those are the those are the scenes that i could see most in the movie so it's almost like you could take that one character and make an entire story out of just her she was a fantastic character just by herself she liked to smoke a lot of pot. She knew a lot about plants. You know, she's she's in tune with nature. And she's a badass bitch. She would make a great movie. Like Poison Ivy. If she's super in tune with plants, wouldn't smoking them feel wrong? Yeah. Like, or is it like screaming when she smokes? I don't know if it's so much that. It's like they obey her. I don't know. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, there's just not much of a, like, there's never really an explanation for any of it. And you don't really want that in a wackadoo novel. You want something, you know, to be up to interpretation. But when there's so much of it and and nothing is explained, it's like walking into the living room of people that you don't know and trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. You know, you don't have any background. You sort of have to just try to figure shit out on your own. It's just very disconcerting. I'm done with my rant now. This woman's going to hate my guts. (laughs) Sorry, ma'am. Not everybody loves it. Dear Darla, I hate your stinking guts. (laughs) You make me sick. Are we going back to pets behaving poorly in public? (laughs) Oh, man. 
telling you. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when when your kids do weird shit, but at least you can like sort of kind of reason with them. When they're toddlers, you really can't. Dylan used to do this thing where, God, he made me feel like a terrible parent all the time because we would go to visit friends. You know, we, I would take him to a friend's house to play and he would absolutely freak the fuck out every single time it was time to go home. Like, he d- did not want to go with me. Like you were like beating him at home? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't beat him, I swear. It was it was yeah. more like, you know, he, he's an only child. He wanted to be with people. And, yeah. and there was there were no kids at our house. It was just him. So every time it was time to leave, he would throw the biggest fucking fit, screaming and crying and kicking and biting and... And that really makes you want to have another one <laughs> when they do that. I was like, God, am I really that bad of a parent? You know, wh- what the hell? He's not an abused child. I had one of my daughters used to um, purposely hide when we were in stores, especially like you know, stores like Target or something. The racks? She would get in, yes. Yeah. She would get into the racks and, and hide. And I would literally freak out if I did not know where she was, my heart would instantly start, you know, pounding and I'd, I'd start to have a panic attack. And I mean, it would always be like, where's Cassie? Where's Cassie? I mean, I, I feel like that's the, the question most asked, you know, as she was growing up and she'd just be, you know, purposely hiding. And she would think it was hilarious that we were, like so losing panicky. your shit like yeah kids man they have a twisted sense of like trying to get what they want or like what's funny it's just their little brains yeah it's crazy what they think of but i also have noticed that people are a little more forgiving when your kids do something than when your dog does something because you know echo doesn't like other dogs and like when we go to the pet store or whatever and there's other dogs around like the people let their dogs out on their leash a little bit because echo looks like she's curious and like she wants to play and everything and then she gets they get close and she goes <laughs> at them and then they're like pulling their dog back and looking at me with big eyes and i'm like why do you think i shortened my leash <laughs> you need one of those vests that says you not do. dog friendly. you need an orange she needs to wear an orange vest when she goes out no touchy <laughs> only approach me if you have two legs because she loves other people just not other dogs i hate my own species we had some neighbors move in next door and they have two big dogs and i have two little dogs and they had never seen each other but every time that my dogs would be out in the yard and theirs would be out in the yard my little pug would go crazy and growling like I'd never heard him growl before. He'd growl and he'd bark and he'd sound really, really tough. And one day they were out front and I, I brought Munchie out on his leash and he sees these dogs for the first time he sees them and he just sat down and he wouldn't move. <laughs> I'm like, man, you're... He's you like, I've been talking shit to those dogs for years behind the yeah, fence. You sound real tough, but you can't take it. Either that or it's like when you talk shit to somebody and they stand up and they're like 6'3", oh. and you're like, I mean, I'm okay with whatever you want to do. <laughs> Ooh, nice shiny coat you have there, sir. But yeah, you're right. Sometimes people are more forgiving with kids, but it's like, listen, kid, dog, whatever, I can't... They're either a toddler or a, a species who doesn't speak my language. I can't control either one. Like exactly. <laughs> and I always feel sorry for you know the mother or the father who who is dealing with a toddler tantrum mm-hmm. in a store because yes. I feel like we've all been there, right? And and they're probably thinking, "Don't do this to me," but we've all been there. And I just want to go up to them and say, "It's going to be okay." You know, You're wish, not a bad parent. I wish somebody had come up to me to say that when Dylan was a baby because he, he was colicky and he'd be fine. He'd be fine. And I'd be right in the middle of shopping and then he, he would start and he would just 
fucking scream. And See, it was like, I got to check out, you know, I got to check out, get out of my way. I got to get out of the store. And people just give you the stink eye like you're, you know, like you're. Like, you know, I haven't been through it. I swear, probably 95% of parents have been in that exact same situation. Oh, I've been every Remember that. But, and that's my thing. Like, I'm not a parent. And so like, I want to have empathy. And there are times when I want, like, you can tell when a parent is like at their, like just, and I want to say something like encouraging, but I'm like, ah, is it my place just to be like hard day? Like, you know, cause I, I don't feel like I have a place to say that, but like, I know that that can't be easy at all. And so I'm like, should I say something? No, I should. But maybe that's like the therapist in me where I just want to be like, it's all right, man. You're doing the best you can. Like, you know, some parents would be like, thank you. Like I needed to hear that. But other people would be like, I didn't ask for, I didn't, I don't need your validation. I'd be like, yeah, they're right. Nobody's asking for my validation. But like, you just can sometimes tell that maybe somebody needs to hear, like you're doing the best that you can. You think you're saying something nice and the lady turns around and says, fuck off. Yeah, and that's kind of what I don't want, you know. It's, <laughs> they act like you're trying to tell them to put on a COVID mask or something. It's like, dude. Tom and I were in the grocery store not that long ago, and we were in the frozen foods aisle, right? Because important. This was before I had surgery, though, I think. So we were looking at, like, frozen pizza and different stuff. And on the other side of the aisle, it's where they have, like, frozen meat, like, you know, chicken, all that kind of stuff. And um, we're a little ways down from this couple. And at first I think this guy is joking because he's clearly angry about like something, but I thought, okay, maybe he's just joking. And, but he literally, he throws a bag of chicken on the ground and he's like yelling at the woman who's with him. And he's literally mad because they don't have the kind of chicken he wants. And she's trying to like placate him and all this. And Tom and I are standing at our cart. And I was like, I kind of want to like tell him to like, like practice anger management and that he's not five. But Tom's like, don't do that. I was like, no. Somebody should tell him. Tantrums are only okay before you're five years old. Right. But he, he, and he literally like threw a bag on the ground of frozen chicken. And this woman was like, no, it's going to be. And I was just like, and I remember saying to my husband, like, I can't imagine being married to a toddler, like just, uh, but you know, cause, and you want to say something like, just skip your nap today. Yeah. <laughs> you want to you know? be shitty. <laughs> skip your nap but today. I guess, yeah. But I didn't. Cause then like the actual, like rational part of me was like, God, I can't imagine being married to another adult who just because they don't have the kind of chicken that you want they yell at you and throw things like, and I just thought to myself, I hope you have the day you deserve. And I hope your, your significant other has a much better day than whatever that is. <laughs> there was one time when I was married and I can't even remember what exactly pissed him off, but we were at the grocery store and we came back out of the grocery store. And I don't know if they like, we didn't have enough money in our account for what he wanted or what the fuck was going on, but he punched the windshield so hard. He broke it. <gasps> he spider webbed it. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, that's brilliant. Cause and now, you, now we really more. don't have any money because now we have to pay for a fucking windshield. <laughs> well, luckily <laughs> we got into an accident not very long after that. And I broke the other side of the windshield with my head. So the other Holy guy's insurance shit. took care of it. Or like, or those people who yeah. throw their video game controller at the television because they yeah, lost. Throw the chicken on the ground because it's the wrong kind. I know. And then really, I do want to know what chicken were you looking for? Like, is this, <laughs> like what is Go this up and take the woman chicken? aside and say, what's so special about that chicken? I know. I gotta I, know. I kind of really, it's bugged me, honestly, to this day. Is it really, really that good? Should I, I would have gone it? over and looked at the chicken. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to not throw, want, if you are a grown man and you are willing to throw a cranky in the middle of public for this, <laughs> I gotta know. I mean, I really wish that that should have been what, what you went up to him and asked. I, I was like, look, I got to know. I, I won't be able to sleep tonight until I know. What's what so what fucking chicken? great about that chicken? 
I know. And now we'll never know. It's, Just a, gonna it's bite a mystery of life now that we're all carrying this load. Rachel, thank you so very much for What's that. What's a special hey. chicken that we need to go find? I know. I'm that just we need to I have a cranky in the middle of the store because yes. they don't have it. Yeah, I really want to know what this chicken is. I mean, are there some brands of chicken that have more supple breasts than the other? <laughs> are they like the cheerleaders of the chicken world that everybody has to have them? I think you cracked the code. Yep. I think that's it. I think it's them big, lumptuous, voluptuous chicken breasts that he couldn't get his meaty paws on. That's it. Maybe you can nipples on them. You can put a mini skirt on a gray value chicken breast, but it still doesn't make it. The cheerleader. It's not okay. tight. <laughs> That's going to do it for three, three book, book girls. girls. Can't get enough of three book girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.